right, well, welcome to Asante Church. My name is Alex Dennis, and it's good to see so many new faces here. It's good to see so many old faces, and that's not an age joke. That's, uh, it's just good to be around family. We are in Mark chapter 1, verses 35 through 45 today. We're going to try to knock out 10 whole verses today. We'll see how far we get, and that will conclude our time in chapter 1. If you're new here, we are taking all the time we need to go kind of walk through the gospel of Mark and spend time alongside Jesus here today in his early ministry. And so kind of where we are today, we see two really big things happen. We see Jesus take time to refill, and we see Jesus take time to pour out. But it all starts at what happened the night before, okay? I'm talking about last night. They let the preacher talk. They don't remember everybody he healed, but he healed them all. Uh, That was a Morgan Wallen joke. I'm sorry about that. But we will start at last night. And what happened was the Sabbath ends on Saturday night. They're at Peter's house, and Jesus, there's just a line. There are droves of people all the way down the street, and Jesus is healing them, casting demons out of them one by one by one by one late into the night. Then Jesus finally lays down, puts his head on the pillow or whatever they would have had four pillows, and he falls asleep. And this is where we pick up today in verses 35 and 36, where Jesus is preaching in Galilee. It says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon, who would be Peter, and those who were with him searched for him. So we see that Jesus refills, and Jesus refills on this early morning in two different ways. The first thing is in isolation. We see that Jesus wakes up early. After that late, late, late night, Jesus doesn't set his alarm. His uh, iPhone doesn't go off in the morning, and he hits snooze, and he gets nine more minutes, snooze, nine more minutes, snooze, nine more minutes, and everybody else in the house is like, Jesus, you got somewhere to be? Because that thing has just been snooze. For 27 minutes, and we could have been sleeping, but you woke us all up. No, Jesus is up, and Jesus sneaks out of Peter's house. Why did he sneak out of Peter's place? He snuck out because he planned to be alone with God. He planned to be alone with God. This isn't something that just would have happened for Jesus. His internal super Jesus-powered alarm clock wouldn't have just gone off and said, Ding! Jesus, wake up. It's time for you to go speak with your father. No, this is something that Jesus intentionally planned to do. It does not just happen. So what we can take from this is that Jesus needed to wake up early, needed to have a plan to go be with the Father alone and in isolation. How much more do we? How much more do we need to wake up early, spend time at the kitchen table before the kids wake up, alone, in isolation. Maybe it's from the kids. Maybe it's from the spouse. Maybe it's from your phone. Maybe it's just from distraction. But how much more than Jesus do we need to spend time alone with the Father, honed in, focused in, so that at the very beginning of our day, we can be refilled so that we can then pour out. Jesus refills in isolation. The second thing we see that Jesus refills through is through prayer through prayer. Now Peter, and as he is telling this to John Mark, and John Mark is recording this for his gospel, he's not hitting all the details once again. Instead, he's kind of hitting the high notes, and he's moving faster than any of the other gospels. And so whenever he's talking about Jesus preaching, he just says that Jesus preached. He doesn't talk about the content of what he preached. Same with his prayer. He says that Jesus just prayed. 
So we can kind of look at other places Jesus talked about praying and kind of answer this question, what would this prayer have looked like? We can see, just as we see throughout the rest of the Gospel of Mark and and other Gospels as well, it would have been twofold. It would have been a divine element. Jesus as fully God approaching God and his light shining to God and God's light shining on him and them spending time together. There also would have been a 100% human element to this as well. But in this divine element, Jesus might have prayed in this Acts prayer model that we have talked about here in this church time and time again, and that is adoration. Acts, it's an acronym, an acrostic. Adoration. Going into confession, Jesus wouldn't have had to confess because he was perfectly sinless, so he would have just saved about, I don't know, about your sin life, but it would have saved him a lot of time if he was like me. From adoration, he would have gone to thanksgiving. God, thank you for this. Thank you for that. And from there, he would have gone into supplication. He would have gone into making requests. And so it's the essence of the Lord's prayer, but without this aspect of needing to confess any sins, he would have been praying for himself. He would have been praying for this monumental task, this monumental road ahead of him, the greatest challenge ever presented to one single person who was fully God and fully man. It would take both to see it through to the finish line. He would have been praying for those that he loved, much like you do praying for those around him. He would have been praying for his disciples. We see all the way in Luke chapter 22 that Satan wants to destroy Peter. And Jesus cuts it off before it even happens because he was praying, saying, no, this will not happen. He is praying for those around him whom he loves. Not only that, but he would have been praying for the people he didn't know very well. He would have been praying for the sinners around him in Capernaum. He would have been seeing all of their needs. He would have been saying, God, you remember this guy last night? He was going through this, and God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and because it was your will, you delivered him from this, that, and the other. He would have been remembering all these people, and he would have been praying for the people that he had yet to meet, and he would have been lifting them up. Now, that's the divine aspect of Jesus' prayer. There's also probably a very human aspect, and that is that Jesus was fully dependent on the Father in prayer. We see John 5, 19. We see Jesus says, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son does likewise. So him spending time with God, he is getting the directions, the roadmap for his day. God, what is your will? What must I do today? I am to be perfectly within your will, never straying to the left, to the right, even a fraction of a degree. So where are we going? What are we doing? John 14, 10 says, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. Everything that Jesus did, everything that Jesus does throughout his day is going to be based off of this time right here. Refilling being completely depleted from the night before, but this morning intentionally getting on with God and being restored, refilled to go out with a purpose. And in this, in this human aspect of this part of the prayer, he would have been setting an example for us. I mean, this is the Jesus we read about in Colossians 1.16, the Jesus that holds everything together. And this is the Jesus that even still goes to God in prayer for direction on what the day is going to look like. So we have to ask ourselves a question. Are we, as believers, are we taking time to refill? 
just like Jesus. This isn't something that just happens for us. We have absolutely got to make a plan. We've got to figure out, when am I going to do this? Not only do I have to figure out, when am I going to do this? I've got to figure out how I'm going to do this. This could be early mornings. And I will say, in my experience, this has only ever stayed consistent in my life if I wake up early and I do it before everything else. Because if I do this before everything else, then everything is influenced out of my time alone, in isolation, focused on the Lord, focused on what he has for me during that day. This is me honing in on him saying, God, you are most important. God, you are more important than 30, 40 minutes, an hour of sleep. I need to spend time with you. But you also need to figure out what works for you. Early mornings may not work for you because you're a zombie until 9 a.m. when 600 milligrams of caffeine finally kicks in, okay? When you get to work and you realize you didn't get everything done that you needed to the day before and it's due today, Maybe for you, it's on your lunch break. Maybe for you, it's when you get home. It's when the kids go down. Maybe it's late at night. For Jesus, it was both. It was early in the morning, and it was late at night. But then we have to figure out, how am I going to do this? And I think this can be really intimidating for a lot of us. And so for that, I would say you've got to get some assistance. Uh, and in this, I'm going to become the app pastor, okay? Uh, and, I, and I fully embrace that. Uh, a couple months back, I introduced you guys to an app called Glorify, realizing that in my personal time with Jesus, I was getting aimless, and I was more looking at it as something to check off of a list. And so I was introduced to this app by Jacob at our men's ministry, and this app has completely changed my time of devotion with the Lord. Again, it starts you off with a quote, it leads you into scripture, it then explains that scripture, and then it helps you pray through that scripture. So that's good. So that's kind of like an appetizer for my whole day before I spend time studying God's word for myself, for this church, for you guys individually. But I needed something more. I realized that it wasn't just the studying and the teaching and the preaching of the word. It was my sole responsibility as a pastor. But there's also this whole side of prayer. And I have been openly just abysmal with my life of prayer. And I need to be more disciplined in this. And so another awesome church member introduced me to this app. And it's called Prayer Mate, okay? And it looks just like that. So if you need to go download it right now, I won't think you're playing Crossy Roads or whatever, you know, on Facebook or TikTok. I'll think you're just being such a good believer and you're just downloading this app right now. For the rest of service, you're just downloading this app. What this does is it, for me, has opened up a world of prayer and application in prayer that I just never fully realized. It has the different aspects of prayer. God, thank you for this. God, I thank you for my family. I thank you for my job, my work. God, here's what I'm needing today. God, I'm praying for my church family in this. Here are these prayer requests. Here's what I'm praying for in my world, these different missions. God, here's how I want to see you move and work in my life and in the life of others. But then I found this little section. It's like you can go download more stuff that will help you pray better. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to download like seven different things. I'm going to pray so good today. So right now, I'm praying through how to be a better husband. It's working all right. Uh, I'm praying through how to be a better dad. We got a newborn, kind of a struggle there, but, you know, the Lord is doing his thing. Uh, But, hey, if I'm going to be Steve Jobs, pastor, you know, up here showing you different apps, these are two that have absolutely changed things for me. You've got to set a time. You've got to have a plan. You've got to go in. You've got to execute that plan. Take action. 
stay disciplined until it becomes a habit. And then your life is looking more in line to the life of Jesus because you are spending time alone, focused on God, focused on the will of God in your life and how you can take part in his bigger story. So I would encourage you greatly to download these two apps. The next thing we see Jesus do is we see Jesus redirects distraction. We see this in uh, verses 37 through 39. And they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Okay, so what happens here is Peter and Peter's helpers, or Simon at this point, they find Jesus. And then Peter or Simon lightly scolds Jesus. Jesus, what are you doing out here, man? Do you not remember last night? Do you not remember when you, you healed this guy, this guy, this guy? Do you not remember when you cast demons out of this guy, this guy, this guy? That was incredible. What are you doing hiding behind that tree? Jesus, what are you doing out here on your own? And I just want you to know that as you start to develop a life of devotion and a life of prayer, your kids may never wake up before 7 a.m. And you start praying to Jesus at 5 a.m. And the next thing you're going to hear is, Daddy! Mommy! That's just the enemy trying to distract you, okay? I'm just saying that your kids aren't the enemy, okay, but they might be being used a little bit, okay, but the enemy will try to distract, redirect, redirect, redirect. That doesn't mean ignore your kids. Please love your kids well, serve your kids well, be good moms, be good dads, and then get right back into it. Stay right back, focus up just like we see Jesus do here. So Peter comes at Jesus, Jesus, what are you doing out here? And if we look at this, we can be like, man, I would never say that to Jesus. I would just be like, Jesus, I see you praying over there. And whatever you're thinking right now, I just want to go along with that. But this kind of makes sense if you think about Peter. It makes sense that where they were was the place that Peter grew up. Peter knew the people that had been brought before Jesus. Peter knew so many of the people the night before that had been healed, that had been set free so Jesus, or Peter now basically becomes a talent manager for Jesus. Jesus, I know of this guy, I know of this guy, I know of this guy, and they all need your help. So because I know this area best, I'm going to go show you around. And what does Jesus do? He sets them straight. He says, Peter, I did not come to be the Capernaum cleanser. I came to preach. Now, the big issue here was people were getting the cart before the horse. They wanted Jesus for his healings, for his miracles, for his casting out of demons. And what they didn't want was to hear the message that he came to preach, which was most important, which was the message of the kingdom. Jesus says, Peter, this is why I have come. This is what we will go and do. And because I have drawn so much heat, I've drawn so much hype around Capernaum, then it's time to go share some of this love in the rural places. So, no, distractions will happen. But when they do, rely on your time with Jesus to redirect. Do not let those distractions take over and completely count that time with Jesus out. If Jesus would have said, all right, Peter, yeah, you know what? You, you, can, you can lead the way. Maybe the cross never would have happened. Maybe Jesus would have just been stuck healing people in Capernaum forever. But Jesus knew 
what he was sent here to do, and that was to preach the gospel, which wasn't just temporary healing, which was eternal healing, and redirect, redirect, redirect based off of God's will, not the wishes of other people. Our second point today is that Jesus pours out through serving. So Jesus refills through time with God, and now Jesus pours out through serving, and we see that as he cleanses a leper. Not a leopard, that's a fast jungle cat. He cleanses a leper. It's a man with a disease, we'll talk about it a lot. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand, and he touched him, and he said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. We see Jesus pouring himself out now in serving. We see that he serves in two different ways, but we see he is serving because that is who he is. If you can take one verse out of the entire gospel of Mark that sums the entire thing up, fast forward to six years from now when we finally get to this verse, Mark 10, 45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We are just getting a foreshadowing of that over and over and over. And here we see that Jesus is serving in preaching. And this kind of goes back to what Jacob preached on last week. This shows us the heart of the healer and that Jesus is far more interested in offering them spiritual healing than he is physical healing. Because once again, physical healing at best is only temporary. These people will get sick again. These people could get demonically possessed again unless something takes place where they can't. They start to follow him as Messiah. But what Jesus offered was spiritual. What Jesus offered was eternal, not temporal. What Jesus offered was healing from bitterness. What Jesus was offering was healing from anger. What Jesus offered was healing from lust, from addiction, from gossip, from lying, from stealing. What Jesus was offering was healing from sin. But these people couldn't see that. The only thing they could see was what they wanted. And that was to consume, that was to take from Jesus in this moment, to make their lives happy, to make their lives a little bit better so that they could go on. What Jesus wanted them to see was the gospel was that they needed a Savior, they needed a Messiah, and he was that person. The second way that Jesus serves is he serves in cleansing. Now, we have discussed demons uh, in just an unrealistic uh, amount of time in the past two to three weeks. So, yes, demon, or Je- Jesus, Jesus was preaching And Jesus was casting out demons, but what we look at today is Jesus' cleansing over disease, Jesus' authority over illness. So we will not be going into all the the demon stuff. Today we're going to talk about this leper. And so we really need to figure out what leprosy is. We need to figure out exactly what this man was going through. And so what is leprosy? Leprosy is slightly different today than they thought it was back then. Back then, they thought it was a rotting, infectious disease. Um, All of the deformities that would be formed on a person's body were caused and filled with this disease. Today, we know it as Hansen's disease. This is something that is still, uh, it still happens in, in third world nations. Uh, but we also see like there's a leper colony in Florida to this day. I don't know what that says about Florida. I just know that if there was going to be a leper colony somewhere, you would think it would probably be in Florida. So 
What leprosy actually is, is a deconstruction uh, of the body's warning system of pain. It is the central nervous system being attacked. And so what it does is it, get, it numbs all of your extremities to where you cannot feel anything. And then all the disfigurements that come from leprosy are injuries that are sustained from the numbness. So in Africa, there was a guy, this was a medical document I read this week, a guy is cooking dinner and he drops a potato in the fire. And he reaches down into the fire, he grabs the potato and he brings it back up and he continues to cook. Not knowing that that potato was hot, a hot potato, uh, not knowing that that fire was hot, not knowing that his hand is now completely burnt and singed, he goes right on cooking. Another guy, he goes to wash his face, and he washes it with water that is boiling, and he has no idea that it's boiling because he cannot feel anything. That is what leprosy does. He has no feeling, and so he destroys his hands. He destroys his face, and then what happens is after you sustain an injury, your healing is lower, and so your body produces this ooze to protect itself to heal these different wounds and injuries it has sustained, and that just compiles over and over and over and over. You can't be sensitive to those wounds because you cannot feel any of them. In extreme cases, there have been reports of small vermin coming up to a colony of lepers, snacking on someone's toe and running off with it, and then not knowing that their toe was gone until early the next morning when they looked down and boom, it wasn't there. This man couldn't feel anything, but this man knew that his life was absolutely wrecked. He was miserable. Leprosy is also known as the painless hell. But the same pain that he was numb to physically, we can know that he felt on an emotional level. This man was absolutely miserable. Why? Because he was isolated because he was thought to be extremely contagious. He had to be removed from society. He had to live on the outskirts of town. If he had family, he would not have seen them. He would not have known their touch, felt their embrace, their love, their comfort for years. He was socially distanced. And until recent times, I don't think we would have any idea what this actually felt like, but any place that he went that was within society, he had to shout, unclean, unclean, leper, unclean. Anywhere he went. If he was upwind, that means that the wind was blowing against him down to other people. He had to be 100 cubits away from him. I don't know how long a cubit is, but it sounds like it's a long distance, okay? Uh, if he was downwind, it would only have been four. Thought to be highly, highly contagious. You can't touch this man. You can't breathe the air around him, or you will be a leopard too. Ultimately, these lepers were treated as if they were people that were already dead no hope. You will be alone in isolation until you die. But wait, there's been this healer in Capernaum. Have you heard about him? He's casting out demons, and he's healing people. I hear it's getting really busy around his ministry. I hear there are people lining up, and he's healing them all night long. Maybe, just maybe, he'll make it out here. Suddenly, Jesus arrives on the scene. There is a man that can cleanse disease. There is a man that can cast out demons. Courage, hope would have filled this leper's heart at just one chance. 
to get before Jesus. Does he get that chance? He absolutely does. And what does he do when he receives this chance? He breaks every single rule society has placed on him. He breaks every single rule of the hygienic Levitical code that was written to uh, help keep people safe and not sick and away from leprosy around these people. Other gospels write about this specific event, and they tell us that he plows through the crowds. He's determined to get before Jesus. And finally he does, and he lays before Jesus like a mass of rotting flesh. Luke 5.12 says, full of leprosy. That means that the disease has taken its full course. This man was about to die. Luke would know because Luke was a physician, taking an account of all these eyewitness events in the life of Jesus. And he throws his near lifeless body in front of Jesus, and he makes a request you will, you can make me clean. Before we get to Jesus' answer, we need to realize something here. We need to realize that leprosy is the perfect illustration for sin. Sin has the same effects on our lives as leprosy has had on this man's life. It starts off small, it starts off internal, but before long, if left unchecked, it grows to absolutely destroy us. Sin and leprosy will both numb you. You will not know what is taking place in your life because you will be so removed from the actual reality of it because all you can think about is your sin. These lepers would have had to take straps or scraps of clothing and material, and any time they had an open wound, they would have to put it over that wound so that it would be a little bit more easier to be around them, so that hopefully this doesn't spread to someone else. And we too, in our own sin, try to hide it in any way we can. If I can just take this fig leaf, if I can just take this fig leaf, if I can just take this scrap, I can create this facade that makes it look like I have everything together when on the inside I am absolutely dying. And now it's starting to show. Our sin distances us, slowly isolating us from everyone that we know, everyone that we love, and our sin makes us unclean. Unclean, unable to stand before a holy God because here we are, dirty. We, myself, you, are spiritual lepers. So have we gone before Jesus and have we asked him to cleanse us? On this side of the cross, it is not the question of, Jesus, if you are willing, will you heal me? But now it is the statement of, since you are willing, Jesus, I will be made clean. When we ask Jesus, we will be met with a similar answer as the leper. And the leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he, Jesus, stretched out his hand and touched him. And said to him, I will be clean. What do we see here? We see Jesus moved with pity. We see Jesus in this moment feeling the exact feelings of this man and Jesus showing it. There's a lot of things that are taking place in this moment. But one thing that we cannot miss is Jesus' actions. Jesus reaches out and he touches this man. Now this is a moment where everybody around him would say, what just happened? Peter's saying, hold up, hold up, Jesus. I don't think you should have done that. Maybe you got leprosy now. You know, you got your hands on all these people. You're healing all these people, casting out all these demons. I don't know, Jesus. Maybe you can't do that anymore because we're not supposed to touch that guy. 
And that guy's not supposed to be anywhere near you or anybody else around us. This would have been a moment of absolute shock. But what was Jesus doing? Jesus was showing him love. Jesus was showing him comfort. Jesus was entering into his mess. And that exact feeling of shock and amazement was a, that this guy is in Jesus' face and that Jesus just touched this guy. It's all about the change. But just as Jesus reached down to this leper who's almost a pile of a dead man with sores and blisters and ooze, and he puts his hand on him and he heals him, Jesus does the exact same thing for us in our sin. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. He comes down from heaven. He lives the perfect life. He sacrifices himself willingly on the cross for us. Why? He made himself poor so that we could become rich. There is a role reversal that takes place that we are about to dive into deep. It says immediately, immediately the leper was made clean. His body would be reanimating at this point. All of his missing limbs growing back. That little toe that that squirrel ran off with two weeks ago. Well, there it is. It's growing back. The tumors, the growths, shrinking, shriveling, falling off. And as surprised, again, as the crowd was by the presence of this man before Jesus, now they are shocked at the power and the authority of Jesus over this man's disease. It was official. This man is clean. When we ask Jesus to cleanse us of our spiritual leprosy of sin, his response is, I will be clean. So the question that we have to ask ourselves is, have I put myself before Jesus? No matter how much of a mess that I am, no matter how disgusted I am with myself and how much how repulsed everyone around me is because of my sin, have I thrown myself at the feet of Jesus, no matter how close to death, and have I trusted in him to forgive me of my sin, to heal me of the disease in my life that has been there since birth, because only he can. For those of you that have done that, this goes a step further. Earlier we see Jesus being refilled. Now we see Jesus pouring out. For those of us that have been refilled as Jesus was prior to this event, do you now find yourselves at a place in life where you are pouring out just as Jesus is pouring himself out here? I think what a lot of us can do is we can go to church, we can listen to Caleb, we can listen to Air One, we can read our devotionals, we can have our prayer time, we can download sweet apps, and we can rack up so many days in a row having our time with Jesus, but at the end of the day, we're not actually doing anything with it. And so we're become, becoming overnourished Christians, and really, instead of going out and actually using this nourishment that we've been poured into while we're in time with Jesus in church, instead what we're doing is just becoming spiritually obese, and we're not doing anything with it. And so if that is you, if you have been refilled by God, if the Spirit, the Holy Spirit lives within you, please do not be lazy. Please do not be fearful. Do not be scared. Actually leave this place and do something with all that you have learned. 
There are people out there that are filled with leprosy and they have no idea about it. They're fooling themselves, thinking, I'm just going to be a good person and that's going to be enough. But it's not going to be enough. You have the truth. You've been refilled. It's time to pour out. We see one final thing here this morning. And man, this is sweet and you can just completely read over it, but let's not. Third point this morning is the test of true faith is found in obedience. The test of true faith is found in obedience. Mark 1, 43 through 45. And Jesus sternly charged him, this is the leper, and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer your cleansing, uh, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it, a little bit excited, and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every corner. So Jesus commands him not to say anything. What Jesus is doing here is he's trying to keep this thing called a messianic secret. Again, his desire is to preach the gospel all around Galilee. That's about 240 villages and towns. And so the more that the word spreads about Jesus doing all these awesome, sweet miracles, the more the word spreads about Jesus is not only meeting people's needs, but people are being transformed. Now all of these people just want to be in front of Jesus so they can experience the same thing. But the problem is this is that now he can't go to all of these towns. He can't visit all of these villages. Because remember, it's not the miracles that Jesus is wanting to go to these towns for. It is the message of the gospel. It is for their eternity, not for their temporal state. What do these people want? The quick fix. We want the quick fix too. And when we receive the quick fix, we go and we tell everybody about how sweet this app is that they're using to pray better. Every time we get the quick fix, we're going to tell everybody, hey, man, this worked for me. Maybe it'll work for you until it doesn't. We need eternal change. This guy needed eternal change. Jesus says, hey, keep those lips shut. (laughs) And this guy goes and blabs about it to everybody. We see that disobedience always has consequences. And in this case, the consequences aren't necessarily on the leper, but they are found in Jesus. We see that the leper's disobedience causes a role reversal with Jesus that is foreshadowing to a role reversal that takes place on the cross. You see that the leper, prior to Jesus, was forced to live in desolate places. He was not allowed to be in the town around other people until He meets Jesus, Jesus heals him, and now he is welcomed into these public places. Hey, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody that I healed you because now I'm not going to be able to come into this town. That's exactly what happens. Jesus was once able to minister, hindered, but minister in these public places. But now because of the leper's disobedience, the hype force behind Jesus, now Jesus is forced out to minister in these desolate places. And this is an incredibly wonderful picture of exactly what happens on the cross. This is Jesus taking on the consequence of our disobedience. And in turn, we only receive the benefit while Jesus takes all of the punishment. This is Jesus in our place for our sin. This is all a foreshadowing of what is about to take place. Because of Jesus... 
See, we once were isolated. We were uh, alienated. We could not be in the presence of God because we were dirty, sinful lepers. Not physically, but spiritually. And what does Jesus do? He takes our spiritual leprosy and he takes it on himself. He takes our sin and he takes it on himself so that we could be made right with the Father because the Father can't be in relationship with something that is sinful, something that is dirty. So there had to be a substitution and Jesus was that substitution. Jesus was that perfect sacrifice. Jesus says, I'll take your sin and you can take my righteousness. In doing so, he made a way for us to be cleansed. In doing so, he made a way for us to be free. In doing so, he made a way for our healing. And now he takes all the punishment, and we receive all of the benefit. And he goes to the cross, and he dies with that. Now, spoiler alert, he didn't stay dead. He had victory over my sin. He had victory over your sin, and that's exactly what frees us from our sin today. Our spiritual leprosy is no more because we have been healed when we put our trust and our faith in Jesus to heal us from it. So have we done that? Have we fallen at the feet of Jesus and said, if you will, because I know now that you are willing, will you cleanse me? Will you set me free of this? How do we take this, walk out of the door with this, and put it into work? How are we to be the church and display the kingdom today? Three simple points. We are going to spend time with God filling up. Two, we are going to spend time with others pouring out. I'm going to say that again. We're going to spend time with others pouring out. I don't care if it's your family. I don't care if it's your friends. I don't care if it's your coworkers. We're going to spend time with others pouring out. And we're going to show true faith and obedience through it all, every step of the way, unlike this leper. Let's pray.